Through their investment in the Minnesota Corn Checkoff, corn growers are fueling research and initiatives that build a more sustainable future for farmers and all Minnesotans. The Minnesota Corn Podcast introduces you to the individuals who are shaping future ag practices, identifying new markets, and promoting agriculture with the non-farming public. Our guests for this episode are Minnesota farmers Gary Pressure and Mark Enninga. Pressure grows corn and soybeans in Faribault County and says the farm involved in his innovation grant project has been in the family for more than 100 years. I guess what I was thinking about when I started this a year ago is that uh, the land had been in livestock and multiple crop production for about 100 years. And so for the past 30 years, it's just been corn and beans with commercial fertilizer used as a supplement nutrient source. But 30 years later, I can still see areas of the fields where it had a consistent and heavy manure history. And those areas were still outperforming the non-manured areas by about 20 or 25%. So because of this, I decided to take a look, if I could, at an economical way to access uh, a manure-based fertilizer program again. And that's kind of where this all started. So some of my neighbors were using a specifically composted bovine manure product, which is called Living Carbon now. So I decided to give it a try and I decided to set up a trialing program on my farm uh, in conjunction with uh, the Minnesota Corn Innovation Grant Program. And you said this was last year, so I don't know if you have enough results to feel like you've been able to sort of prove or disprove what you were looking for, but but what can you tell us as far as results so far? Well, you're right. Uh, I set it up as a three-year project and um, realized that when you're looking at soil fertility, things don't change overnight. So some of my objectives uh, working within the program included economic comparison which was, uh, of course, yield and the cost of uh, the living carbon program compared to the commercial fertilizer program that I had been using. So we set up two trialing blocks to take a look at alternative management practices uh, like nitrogen management practices as well. Um, In addition, for example, uh, I was able to reduce my nitrogen rate about 20% based off of the agronomist recommendation. So I ran a couple of different rates on nitrogen. I also looked at a couple of different rates to start a fertilizer. And I'm wanting to look at maintaining yield uh, through improving soil microbial mineralization and possibly increasing yield through different management practices. And realizing last year was uh, a really dry growing season from May 1st to August 20th, we had about five inches of rain, which is abnormally dry for this area. But then uh, after the 20th of August, we received another five inches that week. So um, we had surprisingly good yields. And what I found between the two programs was uh, on year one, at least under those growing conditions was that the, living carbon treatment and the commercial fertilizer treatment uh, for the bean yield and corn yields that I compared was basically the same. I did find uh, 
an economic advantage with living carbon. Of course, with the lower nitrogen trial, uh, that saved a little bit of money. Um, but uh, here again, it was a very dry spring and summer, so we'll see how that weighs out this year with uh, a possibly wetter growing season on the way. Yeah, I look forward to after year four because you've got variables like the weather and then you have the the input costs that fluctuate. And so as you go into year two, what do you want to bullet point about um, what you're going to be doing on farm this year? Sort of more of the same or have you tweaked anything? Well, here again, with the additional cost of commercial fertilizer increasing substantially for this uh, growing season, um, I would expect to see a larger economic benefit uh, with, the, with the living carbon program versus my commercial fertilizer program, uh, assuming yields are similar. Um, additional benefits fall into the environmental side as well, as if we're thinking about that, um, where if I can reduce my total nitrogen rate, commercial nitrogen rate, and maintain yield, that should uh, also reduce potential nitrate uh, in the water and NO2 volatility in the air. So last year I reduced my nitrogen rate in one of the trials within the blocks by about 20% and didn't see a yield difference. This year I'm going to dial that up uh, probably another 10 to 20% uh, based off of uh, the recommendations I get from the agronomist and compare the differences. So reducing nitrogen rates is one component. Uh, I also looked at some different starter fertilizer rates last year and will continue with that because that's an easy on and off side-by-side uh, -side within the trials. I'm going to add a biological treatment to my nitrogen practices this year. Uh, look, hearing about some of the biologicals that are on the market, I decided to give that a try and it's an easy uh, add without complicating things. So basically kind of focusing on nitrogen trialing programs within the two different areas. Gary, talk a little bit about the innovation grant process for a Minnesota farmer who's not gone through it before. They've maybe just heard a little bit about the program. What what were the first initial steps for you? Um, what sort of a, an assist has the, the grant program provided you? Uh, just talk about that process a little bit. Yes, it's a relatively easy program to apply for. I think it's been in existence for five or six years. And I've looked at some of the different areas uh, where growers want to take a look at something that that may be what I call maybe on the bleeding edge um, of uh, different practices out there. Um, I guess it's geared at looking at either improving nutrient efficiencies or economic uh, advantages and or uh, environmental benefits uh, within different uh, areas of our management that we attempt out here in growing a corn crop. So uh, applications are online. It's a relatively e easy application process. Uh, it starts in October and I think it closes down about the middle of January. So there's time 
while we're sitting in the combine to think about what we might want to take a look at or try out there. Um, personally, we I looked at uh, the extra expense cost for my grant uh, because I want to pay close attention to the soil test levels between the two trialing areas and also soil health metrics as we're looking at soil health being more important here long term. So basically my application was geared at just uh, covering the cost of the extra soil test expenses over the course of the trials. Gary, anything else on your project that you want to make sure we talk about? Well, there's always challenges. Nothing uh, goes quite according to the plan every year, but uh, just uh, on my, with my program, in my case, I, I did discover a couple of challenges that uh, I think are worth mentioning. One is just the timing of application with the program I'm on um, to avoid prolonged sunlight exposure to the, uh, the composted soil amendment that I'm using. Um, we try to time it so that we can either do a, a light tillage uh, as close to application time as possible, or um, sometimes it's done prior just to a snowfall event, which can materialize or may not materialize just to prevent sunlight damage on the microbes within the, the uh, soil amendment. And then uh, application maps and trailing boundaries may not quite line up. So side-by-sides can be a bit of a challenge, but uh, that's why we try to do it over time and take larger areas uh, within the trailing blocks to uh, manage some of the variability out there. Anything else you'd like to talk about today? Well, I just uh, want to thank uh, the Minnesota corn growers for the opportunity to work within one of the innovation grants here and appreciate the, uh, the fact that uh, we're looking at something that's maybe not new and different, but uh, for me, it's interesting and I appreciate the opportunity to, to be there with, with my neighbors and friends who are working with me on this project. That's Southeast Minnesota farmer, Gary Pressure. We now welcome Mark Enninga of Nobles County in southwest Minnesota. Mark farms about 1,000 acres of corn and soybeans and says his innovation grant project evaluated weight distribution on a planter in an effort to reduce plant variability. Last year I worked with uh, the Minnesota Corn uh, Growers Association uh, with an innovation grant. And um, as part of that project, I evaluated individual plant uh, yield. And what I found was there was quite a bit of variability uh, from plant to plant. And uh, so with this past year's project in 2021, um, it was a a goal of mine to try to better uh, control that plant to plant variability. And one of those ways that um, some folks in the industry have been attempting to address that is by uh, evening the planter weight across the entire frame of the planter. And uh, as many people know, centrifugal planters have a a significant amount of weight in the center of the frame, and that can lead to compaction uh, in that particular area, uh, potentially causing issues with uh, emergence and uh, stand consistency. So how did you go about distributing that weight evenly across the planter? Yeah, so I I worked with a uh, uh, 
uh, was able to locate a company that uh, had developed an aftermarket uh, kit that essentially uh, put hydraulic cylinders along with brackets to support the hydraulic cylinders on each of the wings of the planter. And you apply uh, hydraulic pressure to those hydraulic cylinders and it alleviates the weight off the center section and, and moves it out to the w wings. And so uh, uh, purchased the kit, um, installed it by welding it on. And uh, uh, next step was to go to the field with it and actually uh, uh, run a trial where we uh, had a randomized um, trial design, uh, six replications of a control and treatment. And uh, it was in approximately 30 acres, half mile long rows, and uh, was able to gather gather uh, um, results from evaluating the plants uh, during emergence, and then also uh, looking at individual plant yield uh, going getting towards harvest, and then actually collecting uh, harvest yield data. How would you summarize the results, Mark? Yeah, so the results of the study, um, the emergence, I still found, um, uh, I would say, a significant amount of variability in the plants uh, at emergence time. And I guess I would attribute that based on the very dry conditions that we had last growing season. Um, as we looked at some individual plant yields uh, towards harvest, I found a range of 247 bushels, 223 bushels, 248, and 272 bushels. So as you can imagine, um, I'm still seeing variability out there. Um, and then during harvest, uh, harvesting the, the plot, uh, we did not see a significant improvement in yields uh, with the weight distribution system compared to uh, the uh, passes with the weight distribution system inactivated. And uh, our p-value for that was 0.19, and the significance was defined uh, as a p-value of less than 0 0.05. Uh, we had a nice uh, crop. The uh, result of uh, the system, the weight distribution system inactive was 247 bushels, and with the system active, it was 248 bushels. So uh, very close results in terms of the yield. Um, from a conclusion standpoint, I believe that there were some things that uh, helped to alleviate the risk of center row planter compaction and impact from that uh, by, by planting in very dry conditions. Um, and I was not running uh, any liquid fertilizer in our tank. So that obviously had a little bit of less weight in, on the center planter frame. I think the technology still has some merit um, in that I did see that the planter frame carried better in the field. Um, it also was active as I lifted up the planter at the end of the field and made turns, uh, which was nice to, you know, spread out the weight across the entire frame there. If we were going into a season where we had a little bit wetter conditions, I think we'd um, potentially see some uh, greater uh, differences between 
the uh, treatment and the control group. You used the word conclusion a, a little bit ago there, Mark. So uh, I'm assuming that you're not going to build on this study in 2022, or will you? Well, one of the things that I found, Mark, is that um, we're still seeing a lot of variability in the plants, um, and and I want to dive into that. And I did a uh, an emergence uh, evaluation on 24 rows uh, with this study last year, and it, so. As part of that process, I did a lot of flagging um, as the plants were emerging and evaluating the, the, the counts of those flags. Uh, an awful lot of work to, to uh, get all those flags in on 24 rows. Um, this year, what I'd like to do, and this is personally just something I'm working on, is, is just focusing on one row and uh, trying to do a lot more digging um, in that row where do you see issues because any place where you have a missing plant or a uh, eventually a, a plant that has uh, a, a, a barren plant uh, that does cause significant uh, yield uh, reduction. And so trying to find a way to address that is, is still continues to be my goal. Um, you know, another factor, you know, I've thought about is, is trying to uh, keep, well, what I will be doing is keeping back samples of, of some, some of the corn seed um, this year and evaluating the cold germ um, if we do have some issues with emergence. Talk about the Innovation Grant Program itself and how you've utilized it, the benefits of it, and what you would say to other Minnesota farmers who who haven't tried it that, that might be considering it. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, the Minnesota Corn uh, Research and Promotion Council has the innovation grant that's available to uh, folks that want to do research um, on their farm and it involves submitting a grant application. It's not overly difficult to do so. Um, as part of that grant application, you're going to need to uh, identify some collaborators. Um, I worked with uh, Bob Recker from Cedar Valley Innovation down in Iowa. I worked with uh, some folks in my family and also the uh, uh, my local uh, NRCS uh, conservationist, uh, Cheryl Hurd. So trying to identify some collaborators that can help with the project is, is uh, critical and important. Um, and, and throughout the year, while you're doing the project, uh, you do submit uh, reports to uh, Minnesota Corn so that they can uh, hear about the progress and you can share the pro progress with other farmers and they publish that online. Uh, the, obviously, with being a grant, they do provide some funds to go towards the project. Anything else on your project or the innovation grant in general that you want to make sure we talk about? Yeah, I just think it's a great opportunity for uh, farmers that want to try something um, and, and, and do, some, do some learning in their own fields to give it a shot. Um, I personally, every single year, have multiple uh, research projects going on on a very small scale so that I can learn, and uh, uh, if they are projects that are, are successful, I'll expand, expand those projects uh, and those practices on, on larger percentages of the farm. That's Mark Henninga of Polda, Minnesota. To learn more about the Innovation Grant Program, visit mncorn.org.